This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Remember, always be closing. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Rob Norman, Director of U.S. Field Marketing at Box. We brought in Rob to help explain how international organizations can maintain a cohesive message while also adapting to local differences in their foreign markets. Rob was born, raised, and educated in the UK and spent the first five years of his career working in technology consulting in France. He subsequently spent a number of years as a technology marketer, first in France and subsequently in London, before hopping the pond to Silicon Valley. On this episode, Rob also discusses the secret to great demand gen and his best tip for aligning sales and marketing. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at The Mission. To my right, in studio, stage right, stage left, Lauren Vaccarello. What's going on? Not much. How are you? I am doing great. It's another day of Marketing Trends, and we have a special guest in studio. I love in-studio guests. Rob, how's it going? Everything is great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, with that accent, are you from Alabama? Good guess, but no, a little further away from the other side of the further pond. east. Further, yes, I knew it was east. Keep going east, go across the water to uh, to the UK. So I, I hail from a little town near London. So would love to get into uh, your background. We're going to talk all things marketing. We're going to talk about one of Lauren's favorite topics in the world, which is demand gen and weaving how you do marketing from like HQ versus EMEA and all sorts of fun stuff with enterprise cloud marketing, field marketing, and much more. But first, your background. How'd you get started in marketing? I actually started in consulting. My degree was computer science, and so I was very interested in uh, how things work. And so I ended up getting a job in implementation services for enterprise tech. During that time, I, I got more interested in strategy and, and business as you kind of evolve and, and grow and start to learn about how B2B companies work. And I ended up doing a master's and it was during my time in master's that I got much more interested in the value of what technology brings to organizations and that's marketing. And uh, I started in sales because I really wanted to get to know the customer, especially in B2B sales, as much as I, I love marketing both on the B2C side, but as well as B2B. I felt that it was key for me to get to really understand the customer and what what they needed. And and it was after that that I got into marketing serendipitously a great experience in strategic marketing. So I was much more around the strategic planning and that side of things. But that was great for a time, but I wanted to get much more operational. And so putting those great strategic plans into practice led me into demand gen and I've never looked back since. So you worked with an up and coming sometimes a bit long-winded marketer by the name of Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have that pleasure. I have Absolutely. no idea I, what you're talking a, about. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I have a lot to thank Lauren. Lauren, Lauren was the one uh, who brought me over to the US from London, where I was uh, when I where I started working for Box, doing integrated marketing and the campaigns in in Amir. And I got to know Lauren, and she uh, at one time over a coffee in Los Altos, yeah, Los Altos. That's where yep. the offices were. She said, uh, "Do you fancy moving to the US?" And I was like, "Um." Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, this is the tech mecca for anyone in enterprise tech marketing. So I, I jumped at the chance. And never, never look back on, on my end either. And one of the, the things I love about Rob and love talking about in general is not just the demand gen side, but the international piece. And it's such a good perspective to have that in territory point of view. And as the the regular HQ marketer, it's hard to to always get the point of view of what's happening in territory. What what do you actually need? How are you driving demand? And there's completely different, there's different sets of needs when you're sitting in country versus in HQ. And Rob did such an amazing job building out demand gen, really building out marketing for Box EMEA that we had this opportunity to, you know, import him, borrow him, steal him from London and said, take everything that you did in Europe. Now come to HQ, do that here. And by the way, can you can you scale it globally across <laughs> small business and enterprise? We're also growing really quickly and marketing needs to go faster. So can you just do that too? Oh, and can you start that from London for global <laughs> while That's we great. get all of this moved over? So, yeah, that is how we imported Rob. Uh, I also had to negotiate his his release from the United Kingdom with his his boss and his actual manager in the UK, who was amazing and very supportive. She was. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She was very supportive, as were you. And it was an amazing challenge. And uh, yeah, how, how could anyone turn that down? Let's get into some of the demand gen stuff. So first off, like, how would you define demand gen from what you've seen in your career? That's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that is one of the key pillars of what marketing is there to do. It is there to to create, find and create opportunity for sales to then close and marketing should support all the way through the customer lifecycle, in fact. But it is, it is absolutely fundamental. But I, I always think about it in terms of what is the target audience and target companies, target segments, part target industries that the business is looking to go after and then structuring the way in which we engage with those target prospects and helping them to understand who the company is, what it is that we do, uh, what problems it is that we solve. And then, and then essentially driving that engagement until they're ready to have further conversations with sales and then in partnership with sales taking that all the way through to hopefully winning that deal winning that opportunity and, and creating that that revenue for the company you talked a little bit about the sales side and having that that relationship with sales and ian and i um recently did a, a podcast with tj who was a sales leader who switched into to marketing which i thought was a great great interview and for you how do you how do you build relationships with sales? And can you tell us how you know if it's working? <laughs> oh, they'll tell you. <laughs> that is the great thing about sales. They, they will tell you exactly whether it's working or whether it's not working. You know, I, I think for me, it's about being humble and it's about listening. 
at the end of the day, I always believe that marketing is there to support sales in their endeavors. And, and so I've always found the best approach is to, is to listen more than you speak and then to take action on what it is that they're saying. So if they're talking about, we need more support to open doors in these accounts, we'll take it away and then come back to them and show them how you're going to do that. So I think it's about being concrete and I think it's about helping them and, and delivering value to them and their objectives. I think if you do that, then you stand a good chance of, uh, of being seen as, as a partner because at the end of the day, they are our partners. It is one team. And I think that's one of the things that Box has done so so well and or is, I, I've been a part of is, is really creating that one team approach to the whole of go-to-market, but especially the partnership between sales and marketing. And field marketing sits at the sort of center and linchpin of that and i've loved every moment of being a part of that so yeah so that's really really helpful and then thinking of all the progress you made building that relationship with sales i also think a lot about the the work you've done and the experience you have uh, going into international markets and going from international to the us so we've got a lot of people listening to this right now what do you think is the number one mistake that um, you see companies making in marketing when they try to enter a, a new international market? Uh, there are a few, I would say, but I think I think the the sort of the one hundred and one is thinking about international international regions as one block mm-hmm. or, or or individual blocks, right? Yeah. There's EMEA and then there's APAC or there's Asia, and I think that what is absolutely fundamental is is breaking that down into the individual countries because mm-hmm. they they each have their unique characteristics their unique ways of selling into those markets and so so i would say like yeah not not sort of bl- lumping those together is absolutely key um and then i think the other thing i think box did a really good job of this it's about letting the local teams lead the way Mm. right so i i I think at the end of the day those local leaders and those local teams sales teams marketing leaders etc who are native to the regions uh, native to the countries they obviously know their markets the best and so i think it's about enabling them to go sell but allowing their a level of autonomy to go address the market in the most appropriate way i think box did an amazing job of that I sound like I'm promoting that company, but that <laughs> that that's where my most recent experience comes from. Um, but yeah, th- those would be two, I think, key mistakes that I've I've seen in the past. And then, of course, the other is about the adaptation of the sales and marketing channels, mm-hmm. right? And you know, there there are differences, and we can we can talk about what those differences are. But you know, it is important to think about the way in which buyers buy in those particular markets, what their particular challenges are and allowing, enabling local leaders, enabling local teams to go address those. You know, you spent some time in Paris and you're bilingual, correct? Yes. How much does language play a role in this? I mean, I think it's Mm. so funny that like EMEA and these sort of things like you mix countries that speak English with don't versus, or, or just any company that has a headquarters doesn't need to be English. But just like cross-language, like messaging and all of that sort of stuff. How do you get that stuff right? Like, how do you make sure that you're getting the same message across based off of language and culture when it's something that uh, might not be, you know, from a marketing perspective, might be coming from headquarters and you're like, that doesn't really mean the same thing here that, you know, that it does in, in our culture. Yeah. I mean, lexicon is absolutely key. 
lexicon and, and language. So uh, there is obviously the need to translate American English to, to, to US English. That is that, I mean, you, you know, if you talk about the bottom of the ninth, um, no one <laughs> understand what I'm, what I'm uh, talking about. I, I have a better understanding having been here for a little, a little longer. So that's great. But yeah, the, the, those sorts, I mean, that's pretty 101 as well, right? I mean, um, so so within the localization and translation of, you know, global programs mm-hmm. to to local, I mean, that that's the key sort of handoff and interlock. That's what regional marketing teams will do is, is to take responsibility for that localization and translation. But it is super important. It is really important to get the right lexicon right, right and it is uh, important to uh, address the market in their local language. You know, you, you're, you're not going to sell much in France if you're not speaking French to them. That is, that is 100% um, the case. And it is the case for some other major markets in, in EMEA. Germany is, is, is another example. There is a tendency to, I mean, the, the, the Nordic and the Benelux countries, obviously ha- you can sell more. You can get away with it, I guess. It's, it's not ideal, but you can, it can be supported for a, for a time, but it isn't really how you're going to really penetrate and grow the market. So uh, yeah, both of those elements are key. Well, but and also, I mean, you look at how people use language as marketers. I mean, we just are like wade through like mm-hmm. PowerPoint slide or whatever, you know, whatever Google slide or whatever you're using of like, is this word order right? Is this word order right? Like redoing that. What does the web page say? Like, I mean, we're doing A-B tests based off of millions of hits on like our core, you know, should we use this word? Should we use, you know, accountability versus security versus doing like all of these different things? All of those landing pages are potentially useless if you're selling into a country that doesn't have that same sort of stuff. Like, how do you navigate that? It almost feels like you'd need a separate marketing team that is A B testing all of that same stuff. Like, it really is almost a different entire like set of lessons mm-hmm. that you're learning and also they're using different apps like you know whatsapp or whatever it is is the communication tool that you might be using in a different country so the way that those cultures are sharing information is mm-hmm. potentially very different how that stuff pops up and like what websites are allowed versus not allowed i mean like how do you kind of toe the line between like taking all of the copy that hq provides suggests recommends or maybe a little bit more than that and then like figuring out a new way of doing things yeah i uh, so the first thing is there needs to be a partnership between hq and 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 the region right and 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 that in part that partnership comes down to the the people that you have working in the teams but also the organizational design so i think in first part it's important to have a global programs team or global campaigns team in hq that's their responsibility is to work with product marketing to shape the campaigns and the messages that are going to go into the themes the content that's going to go into market and they've got to have availability in their bandwidth to be able to engage with the regional teams and then the regional teams you you need a a campaigns person as well as product marketing as well as some you know digital demand gen capability in in region Mm -hmm. so i think you know it's sort of there's 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 three steps you've got the global teams you've got the regional teams and then you've got the local field marketing territory or country field marketers and i think that organizational design helps enormously in ensuring that the regional teams can take advantage of what the global teams are building. And and then it comes down to the regional teams taking that responsibility for working closely with the global campaigns team, understanding what campaigns are coming into market and then taking responsibility for that localization and translation, you know, working typically with an outside agency to manage 
that and then it's there's a i mean there's a lot of proofreading there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of copy checking i mean that's that's part and parcel of it and that is fundamental to ensure that you know that it is going to be impactful and i think that there's you know we're talking a lot about language and lexicon but i think it goes further than that it goes into really getting a sense for the challenges that the buyers in that market are going to be facing that are going to be slightly different to the us right there's regulatory challenges Mm -hmm. in EMEA that are slightly different i mean we can talk about gdpr as being a particularly european challenge but i mean if you if you include fedramp as an example in in uk marketing collateral it isn't really going to have the same impact when you're talking to financial services companies as as it would do in the us of course i mean for some global companies it's going to be just as relevant but you know it's important to recognize the specific challenges and therefore ensure that the messaging within the content that is being created to engage with those audiences is is relevant and i i really think you you hit the nail on the head there and it's to your point it's not just about swapping out a few words here and there and you know changing z's to s's it's really understanding the nuances of the market how Mm -hmm. people buy what they care about it's interesting i have a a friend's company it was going into France and you know, e-commerce sites are going into France and everything's going well in all the countries that they're expanding to, but it's not going well in France. And then they find out later that France doesn't really use credit cards, it's direct debit solutions. Right. And of course it's not going well because the way people buy hasn't been incorporated or thought through in France. And it's the assumptions that that marketers tend to make, especially if you only look at things from an HQ perspective, which is, well, this is how I buy, so I assume this is how everybody buys. Who wouldn't have a credit card? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's that's not that's not the way they they do things there. Mm-hmm. And just getting that curiosity and perspective of the way we do things in one country isn't the way we do things in every country. And to the point you made earlier, Amia isn't one block. <laughs> it's a collection of many, many, many countries with different languages, different ways to buy, different types of sales cycles, different needs and, and cares. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, say it any better. It's funny that we so often cluster things in things that are make no sense to cluster them mm-hmm. by, right? Like, I love how APAC is like a thing, like <laughs> what? Like, how does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, or, or you know, whatever it is, like you have, um, and we have tons of international listeners, so I'm sure they're uh, all nodding their heads, but it's like, you know, like New Zealand and Australia are lumped into like Asia, yeah. for example, or like right. what, whatever it is. And some of that stuff might make sense, especially from like, you know, when you're working with people and you have to have conference calls at different <laughs> you know, times, like that stuff really matters for like internal workflow and how you work well as a company. That means absolutely nothing to the person who's buying your product, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. how you're structured as a company means literally nothing to the person you're buying your product. And unless they, like it, they matter about getting exceptional customer service and they, and what matters to them is that the product works, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then Rob, thinking about so what I, I love about the experiences that you've had if you've you run marketing programs in France and I wish I had better French so we could have conducted this whole interview in French and just impressed <laughs> and confused everybody. I for one <laughs> we're not because I don't speak French. <laughs> no not I would not be able to partake. We need to get marketing trends translated though. We'll we'll yeah. get on that. We're working on a few stuff like that at the mission, but in, in the future. It will be. 
or maybe Rob will be our, our localization person for France. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but he's got this great French experience. He's got this great experience in the UK. And then you came to to the US. You came to the Bay Area. You were running demand generation, field marketing from an HQ role. What are the biggest changes you've seen? What are the biggest learnings you had moving from marketing in the UK to marketing in the US? And what can we all learn from that? That is a great question. I mean, I can I can speak from just from my my experience. And and I, I would say that certainly the scale resources scrutiny and and the pace is much greater in HQ. I mean, I'm I'm talking really from the experience of a working for a US-based mm-hmm. company. And then I'm I'm in region, and a fast-growing but relatively mid-sized organization. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the early part of its career, um, growing great, great guns, but certainly in the midst of building its foundations for success mm-hmm. in in marketing. So I would definitely say that yeah, I, I certainly when I came over noticed a pace change, um, uh, scale and resources as I just described. Agility is is really much actually much simpler when mm-hmm. you're in region you have so much autonomy or well, we experienced a, a, a lot of autonomy it, it, i did find that it was important to include uh, a lot of other folks in discussions and, and, and decision making in, in the u.s i would say though you know if i was going to break it apart from a demand orchestration and a demand marketing perspective i, I don't see huge changes uh, between the the or differences between the us and being in region right i mean there are some nuances for example i mean it doesn't do as many webinars as the us but that's also geographically for geographic reasons right um there's a lot more ability for folks to meet face-to-face in, in EMEA. So so there are sort of those tactical aspects that are, are, are slightly different. But I would say from a sort of a full funnel demand marketing perspective, there, there is quite a lot of similarity between what we were doing in the UK and what we were doing in EMEA versus what happens and what we've been doing in the US. It comes back to our earlier conversation about really zeroing in on the buyer insights and the and and the buyer needs and and those differences are where where it's greatest and therefore my biggest learning and takeaway is really about the importance of the interlock between demand gen demand marketing whatever we want to call it mm-hmm. and portfolio product marketing yep like when I was in region, the guy I would work with in PMM, he was sitting right next to me. And, you know, we would spend a lot of time together. You would then blow that out to two big teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the challenges is that disconnect we between the two organizations. We need to work fundamentally t- together because a lot of the questions that demand marketers are asking around, well, what segments should we target and what are the buyers and what are their needs, et cetera. Well, portfolio marketing has all that but demand marketing is anchored in you know the everyday it's like mm-hmm. what's what's the performance of this tactic and and, and how did this event perform and etc etc and so we're very focused on the day-to-day partnering with ourselves because at the end of the day we're trying to bring in the pipeline to create enough coverage for sales to go close their their numbers whereas portfolio marketing are kind of working much more closely with product and they're looking much further ahead mm-hmm. So the biggest learning for me and the biggest change when you're coming into the into the US when you've got much broader, bigger teams is building that partnership between demand gen and product marketing. If you get that right, you're in good shape. So we've got a lot of marketing leaders that are listening to this podcast right now. And 
Some have tons of experience leading global programs. Some are building that up. What tips do you have for for marketing leaders who have global roles and are trying to, you know, both you know run HQ but really have to make sure they've got that global push perspective, global point of view? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to repeat myself, but it comes down to organizational design mm-hmm. in my perspective. You know, when we were working together. Um, we were moving incredibly quickly mm-hmm. and we you you only get so many resources and so you, you're kind of scaling and obviously in smaller emerging growth high growth companies uh, a lot of roles are kind of stacked one on top of the other and mm-hmm. and the role that I, um, I took in in the US was both sort of like a I would call it almost like a hybrid role between sort of field marketing which is how I ended up getting into field marketing because we were organized by segment but at the same time we were the sort of the programs team and the campaigns team. So I think that depending on the maturity of the organization and the scale and the resource available, then having a global programs team separated from the field marketing team is going to be key. And then thinking about field marketing as a whole sort of, and the best way to organizationally design that team as a whole separate or whole related conversation but I think by having a global programs team and then having a regional programs team in market, that I think is the best way to draw that interconnect and ensuring that the global programs team have bandwidth to mm-hmm. support the enablement and rollout of the campaigns uh, in region. Yeah, that, that, that I think is, is probably the, the key lesson learned. I think it's very easy because the U.S. is is, is such an important market to obviously to, to U.S.-based companies and there's so much growth there. But I think if you're able to carve that out, that will help certainly the interlock between the regions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. 
from Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.